You're listening to the PMO Strategies Podcast, where PMO leaders become impact drivers. This is episode 130. Well, hey there, Impact Driver. Welcome to the PMO Strategies Podcast. I am your host, Laura Bernard. And in today's session, we're going to be talking about the cultural impacts on the project delivery process. You see, every day, organizations are challenged with learning how to operate most effectively on a global scale, while also being faced with the impacts of a wide variety of cultural norms and experiences. This cultural diversity greatly influences the project delivery process and ultimately the results you can expect to achieve. Can embracing this diversity help you achieve even better project outcomes? And if so, what can you do to leverage the challenge to your advantage? Our guest for this podcast, Michael Boyle, has several years of experience dealing precisely with this subject and will share his insights with us now on how we can harness the power of cultural diversity to unleash the full potential of our projects. Before we dive in, this episode is sponsored by my free masterclass on the game-changing steps to a high-impact PMO. Whether you're starting a PMO for the first time, trying to get your PMO back on track, or just want to ensure that your PMO is as high-impact as possible, This training will get right to the heart of what really makes a difference in the eyes of your business leaders, where to focus your energy for the best results, and how to accelerate your PMO performance. We're going to follow my step-by-step framework that has been developed leveraging more than 24 years of real-world experience as a PMO leader myself for 15 years and as a consultant with PMO Strategies, a trainer and a coach for the last nine years. The work I do with my students has helped them get and keep their seat at the table no matter what kind of chaos is thrown in their way, and they are thriving. Join me for this one-hour training program by going to pmostrategies.com forward slash PMO. That's pmostrategies.com forward slash PMO. And let's unleash the full power of your impact engine PMO today. Okay, let's dive in. We're talking all about cultural impacts on the project delivery process. Now with me today is Michael Boyle. Michael has had an extensive career on both sides of the Atlantic. Originally from Los Angeles, Michael has called Vienna, Austria his home for over 30 years. Apart from holding experience within service delivery and product management, Michael has more than 20 years of experience with the project management, program management, portfolio management, and business analysis domains. In addition, Michael is teaching agile organization at a local university in Vienna. With all of that said, Michael, thank you so much for being here today. Oh, the honor is all mine, Laura. Thank you very much for the invitation. Absolutely. I'm really looking forward to diving into this topic because if there's anything that our impact drivers have seen over recent years, it's that there's really almost any project in any organization somehow touches the external world on a global scale. So whether 
It's the kind of projects that you're managing that have a global set of customers, or if the kind of work your organization does has a global impact, or even just if you have a lot of different people on your projects that come from different places all around the world. It is amazing to see how the project process is altered or can be affected by the great differences between the way different cultures interact, the way different cultures communicate, et cetera. So I'm really looking forward to diving into this topic and have a few stories of my own that I can share about this experience and where I got to see it firsthand. So well, with looking all forward the, to that. Yeah, absolutely. So when did this subject of cultural diversity first become important to you? It more or less started when I made the sojourn back here to Vienna back in 1989. And it's one of those things, once you've made such a relocation, you get the question, so where is home? And that's a, a bit of a difficult question to answer. I come up with the, the line right now that my home is probably somewhere between Iceland and Greenland these days, because there's obviously some components of both worlds yeah. that are certainly part of my persona. And so I think when it was a combination of the question of identity, plus we've noticed over the last 25 years, the tendency of projects to be globalized, quote unquote, based upon our global economy. And mm -hmm. so that means that the scope of the countries that are actually involved has become larger and larger. And that means we have different stakeholders and we need to understand what our stakeholders are looking for. And that's the main impetus from my side. Ah, okay. So, and it's interesting that you say all of this because I can't remember a time where I didn't have great cultural diversity in the organizations that I worked in and where the projects that I was on. So certainly I've seen that in my entire career in financial services and IT, and of course, project management and PMOs. So it's just something that I've kind of always been around. Even when I worked in organizations like Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac that were US-based, we still had a recruiting engine that brought people from all over the world to participate in the cool projects that we were working on. So I still feel like that's always been something that I've been used to, but it does seem that a lot of organizations still seem to have challenges tied to cultural diversity. So why do you think that's been so hard for some people and some organizations to overcome? It's very interesting what you mentioned. I felt the same way thinking, well, certainly growing up in the United States where people come from everywhere, yes. you should be used to that. But the big difference for me is the if we have everything U.S. focused, then that means that all of the people that are coming to the United States, working in the United States, are wearing a U.S. hat. Whereas if we're taking a multinational project approach, then right. we will have certain stakeholders that will be having perhaps completely divergent approach than maybe what we would have in the United States. And mm. that's where things start getting a little bit tricky. Mm. So tell me more and about that's that. Really been the, yeah, sure. When I think about some of the projects that I've run, most of the projects are run in English because English is the lingua franca. Right. And I can remember many times being on 
conference calls and we'd have people from two different nationalities. Neither of them would have English as their mother tongue. They would be talking to each other. And it's almost like the one person gave the other person a compliment. It was misunderstood, thought it was actually a criticism. And then they went off and you just want to go ahead, especially as a project manager, you want to say, stop this train. I'm getting off because this is just getting out of control. And it really gets down to these simple things like language, like culture, like our mannerisms and the like, and the way that we look at things that really are the drivers. We tend to forget that even if English is our lingua franca, that people are still wearing their cultural hats when they speak English. In other words, they'll have certain intonations, they will use words a certain way, and this is where the misconceptions take place. And that's why it's so important to understand where they're coming from, from which direction they're actually approaching it. And it's so much deeper than just the words they're saying, right? I mean, our cultural norms is a lot about our behaviors, our belief systems, and just what we're used to and more comfortable with. So one person from one part of the world is comfortable with and used to and everything from how you have a conversation, how you participate in a meeting, how you look at the work that you're doing, what certain norms do you have about certain breaks during the day or the work habits and the behaviors and all of those things. So if there's things like that going on, then how do you make sure that everybody is both respectful of everybody else's ways of operating and what their expectations are, but how do you manage that as a project manager? And I have a short story to share. So I did some work, interestingly enough, organizational change management work and training for the United Nations. Now, what's so super cool about the UN is that in their corporate headquarters, they have people from literally all over the world. So their Mm -hmm. United States headquarters up in New York City has people from all over the world. So when you see how they're trying to implement projects and create change. And at that time they were implementing a big HR system change. Mm -hmm. It was fascinating to see the pace that they were able to move at because every step of the way, there were so many people involved from literally all over the world. And the things that they were doing and the changes that they were making were going to impact people literally all over the world that it was just fascinating. They could not move quickly because they had so many different perspectives coming to the table, different ideas, different work habits, different levels of embracing change, ways to go about implementing change. And so you'd see a department, like one of the HR departments coming together, and you would see people from all over the world that were all in this team together trying to make this change happen. But it was challenging because every step of the way, there was interpretations going on. Everyone was speaking English, but everyone was interpreting things differently. And part of their challenge from an organizational change management perspective was ensuring that they captured all of this diversity and that all of the ideas and the insights from people from all over the world that were participating in the projects, but then also affected by those projects were heard. Right. So I got to see it on like on steroids. I like to say this is organizational change management and cultural diversity on steroids because there were so many 
complex layers of that going on in the organization. And one leader's management style based on their background and their culture and how they were raised in business was very different than somebody else's. And when you're trying to roll out change to people, you have so many underlying core belief systems that they hold dear to them. So when you're rolling out change, you have to do it differently, I think, than if everybody's kind of on the same page, if you will, from a cultural background and experience perspective. So I thought it was fascinating to see and also can see how challenging it can be when you're in that kind of a situation. So I'd love to hear your perspective on the good side of this. How does this... I'd like to piggyback on some of the things that I've run across precisely tied to that of what you said. If we think about certain ways of looking at things, and we don't, unless you deal with the subject as I've been dealing with it, you perhaps might not necessarily always catch the nuances, but there are certain cadences of the way that we work. For example, either you work sequentially, you take one task and then you go to the next one and then you go to the next one, or you are more spontaneous where you're able to work on multiple tasks at the same time. And these are clearly cultural traits that you find. And the interesting part is I live in a country that is perhaps a little bit more spontaneous than you would think. And so that's a bit of a struggle for me. I always make the joke, you can take the yank out of the States, but you cannot take the States out of the yank. And so that's really one of those things that I'm still, I'll deal with that the rest of my life. And so it's very frustrating for me when people are doing all kinds of things at the same time, instead of actually working on one thing and getting it completed and then moving on to the next one. And so I've noticed that something about myself, getting back to this retrospective or the reflection that you were referring to that's required, I noticed things about myself that I didn't even realize, just observing the way that people here in Austria actually go ahead and perform tasks. Mm. And we have, I think there's a bit of a misconception often where we think that this is the United States of Europe. And in fact, we're dealing with a bunch of different cultures. And in fact, Sometimes they're very divergent. If we think about Holland and the Scandinavia that are very direct, and that means the tone of the conversation or the way that they actually run the conversations are very to the point. Whereas we have other countries here in Europe that are very flowery in the way that they go ahead and describe that. And then you throw English into the mix, then it gets a little bit complicated. But you wanted to hear some actually some positive stories. Well, I thought that was positive. I was able to go ahead and see something in myself. But I think the real beauty being a project manager and having a diverse group like that, if you can get them to take a step back and think about it, not necessarily from their perspective, but from the perspective of the other person and really make an effort. And then we see teams forming in ways that are truly beautiful. I believe that diversity is a true plus for projects because it helps us eliminate groupthink. Groupthink for me is one of the worst things that we have within projects because as a project manager, if some of the team members see some pitfalls that are coming our way, I want them to tell me. And if they feel that they cannot tell me, then obviously I was not doing my job right. Now, if you're able to go ahead and come up with diverse teams that are taking in all these characteristics that I've been talking about, then by nature, it's always going to be a little bit rough. 
And so the real question is, how do you go ahead and manage that divergence? And I think the best way is really just to go ahead and embrace it and show that as a learning experience for your team members and giving them an opportunity that they wouldn't have otherwise. And I always see the success. If the team members start looking at these characteristics from the others and say, God, I wish we were more like that. Mm-hmm. We could mm-hmm. solve all the problems of the world if we can go ahead and take on that type of attitude. And I've seen that enough. I've seen that yeah. enough in projects that it actually works. It's funny because when we're talking cultural diversity, it doesn't just have to be people from all over the world. So let's take our little old country here in the United States. And let's talk about, I mean, I see it all the time. There are different social norms and cultural norms based on where you grew up in the United States, right? So when I was a PMO leader inside organizations, oftentimes the people that were working in the PMOs were mostly from the United States, depending on the PMO that we were running. And still, they all brought very different personalities, thinking processes, backgrounds and experiences to the table. And I always, always, always looked for people that could understand the goals we were trying to achieve, but had very different ways of thinking about how to get there and very different strengths. I can recall the teams that I built in when I was building running PMOs for 15 years, and I would look for people that did not agree with me. And (laughs) some people said, you're making things harder on yourself than you need to. And I said, exactly, (laughs) exactly. Because I was bringing so many different ideas to the table and one person would be really strong here and they would bring their perspective of why we needed to make sure we had certain process in place. And then there was other people that would say, okay, but we've got to make sure that we're keeping our focus on the customers and their perspective. And everyone had different ideas, different strengths and ways that I could deploy them on different programs that had different core underlying problems, deploy them to different departments that all had their own subcultures of the organization itself. And it challenged me to think harder and more critically and also be open to different ways of solving problems. And that didn't always have to be my way. Now, sometimes I just had to say, look, Mike, we just got to go forward. We got to get something done here. Sometimes we're going to be in a situation where we have too many unknowns and we just got to move and trust in ourselves and believe in ourselves and go. And then other times we had the moment to pause look at the different ways to solve a problem and take all those inputs. Now, if I had built a team of yes people, gosh, I definitely didn't have that. If I built a team of yes people or that all believed and thought and did things my way, I wouldn't, I don't believe I personally as a PMO leader would have been nearly as successful. I was constantly surrounding myself with people that challenged me and didn't always agree with me. And I think that it made me a stronger leader. And I learned so much from them about leadership and about management and about how to bring people with you through a change process, which is comes through in all the stuff that we teach today. So I think it doesn't have to be a global initiative, what we're talking about here today to be meaningful. This can be right at home in your very own PMO. Uh, Not only do I agree with you, I think that everything that you just described here, Laura, is the sign of an effective manager, because that means that you're willing to actually go ahead and look at diverse opinions, understanding that none of us are perfect, understanding that a manager is someone who's to ensure that the work actually gets done, not to go ahead and micromanage the people. And 
of course, what you really want to do is foster an environment of autonomy and mastery. In other words, that the people feel that they can actually go ahead and manage it on themselves and they they relish in the fact that they're actually getting better. And you want that to be funneled through a team or a number of teams if we're talking about a PMO. And that's really our job. That is our job. Right. So we to do our job effectively means that we clearly need to go ahead and, and follow that path. So yes, right. I could only agree with you. Right. Now for one minute, and don't worry all of you impact drivers, we are going to get very practical with some tips and steps and techniques for you to implement today, this week, this month on your projects and PMO to embrace more cultural diversity and help ensure that it helps accelerate getting to your impact that you're looking for on your projects. But first, I want to take a little side note here, because you told me when we were recording your episode for the PMO Impact Summit, you mentioned that you had this app that you were working on a number of years ago to foster diversity in projects. Can you tell us about that project a little bit? Sure, of course. It's kind of based upon that example that I gave you where I saw that one of the biggest issues that we had within the projects was the inability to actually go ahead and look at things from the perspective of the other person. Mm. And so the idea was I stumbled across an article in, in The Economist, too many years to count, where they were talking about how they were able to use games and create personas within the games. And basically, they just went ahead and changed the persona based upon the actual culture where that game was being rolled out. And I thought, well, what if you can actually go ahead and allow for people to slip into a new persona? So in other words, if I was looking to better understand certain cultural norms of a certain country, then if I was to go ahead and take on their role, doesn't necessarily always have to be cultural, getting back to your point. If you had the ability of understanding it just from a totally different perspective right. and playing the role. And of course, within games, it's very easy because we jump easily into these personas and there's no risk involved. This is something that you're going through the various activities. And so the idea was to create this environment so that people can go ahead and say, so what's it like for these people? I'm right. going to go ahead and take on their role. And how do they actually go ahead and receive my messages? Right. And so unfortunately, it kind of died on the vine, but it was a very interesting project. And I still think that there's a lot to be said about following these types of paths. So yeah, it was a lot of fun. And it was a very much a learning experience for me as well. So I wonder if we can take a learning from that. And if there were any aspects of that app that you were trying to create that could be turned into a game that people could I don't know, play while they're trying to do some team building or get to know each other better. Are there any ideas you have from that experience in working on that app that you could suggest would be useful to people when they're trying to build understanding, appreciation, and acceptance of cultural diversity on their projects? Yeah, that was certainly one of the takeaways that I had in putting together the prototype was to better, not only better understand what needs to be done, but how do we go ahead and take those attributes and put them into our day-to-day -day activities? Yeah. And so I very often I use what's called an empathy map which is coming out of the design thinking, we're able to go ahead and take a situation, doesn't always have to be a problem statement, could just be a simple situation. And we try to describe it with four main attributes. So what is that person thinking? Can you go ahead and describe how that person is thinking about that particular situation? How do they feel? What are the actual feelings that are being generated? Who's influencing them? That is really key because obviously you need to make sure that you're coming up with the entire circumference of that 
persona that you're trying to address? And then lastly, how are they dealing with it today? And I think we're the last one we're, we're pretty much familiar with. So very often I try to get people in my teams to go ahead and perform this empathy map Mm-hmm. from other characters and even taking if we have conflicts within our projects for them to go ahead and perform the empathy map based upon the actual conflict so right. that they don't always look at it from their perspective but they're able to go ahead and look at it from the perspective of the others and i right. think any activities that we can go ahead and perform that allow us to just look at things from a different perspective Mm-hmm. jolts us from our day-to-day, it gets yeah. us out of our bias, and it allows us to go ahead and remind ourselves that, yeah, people do see things different. It's not a value judgment. It's never. It should never be a value judgment, but yeah. it's the idea, can we go ahead and appreciate the way that somebody else actually looks at it? Right. And so that's the one I use the most. Okay, so we promised the audience a list of takeaways, next steps that they can go apply right now today to start embracing more cultural diversity on their projects and using it to create higher impact outcomes, embracing all of the goodness and benefits of incorporating different ideas and insights. So can you give us a list of the kinds of steps that people can take and apply right now, today, this week, this month? Yeah, sure. I think that usually the impetus is tied to some sort of conflict we have within projects. So the idea would be to kind of ring fence things quicker than just letting them faster a bit. And so the first step that I suggest is taking a break, put things on hold and remove everybody from the situation. So we have a bit of a cool down period and then collectively try to go ahead and identify. So what are the issues that we're actually trying to deal with? The biggest problem always is that people think that it's addressed towards themselves, but actually most of the times it has nothing to do with the individual. It's just something that the other people have in their head. So can we go ahead and get the various team members to start looking at it from the perspective of the others and give that as an assignment, do them on their own. It shouldn't be a conversation that's run with the group. Could they go ahead and describe, so how do you think this other person is actually looking at the situation? Take mm-hmm. a step back, try to define these things, and then bring the group back talk about what their impressions were on these perspectives, and then get the group collectively to come up with some sort of consensus of how to move forward. This is all team building 101. And so the real question is, does it really matter if we're talking about multinational teams, kind of piggybacking on what you talked about earlier there, Laura, does it really matter? Are we really talking about multinational teams? Are we talking about team building to begin with? And so the real question is, make sure they're a team. And so embrace diversity embrace conflict because conflict means that people care and they're trying to make some progress. So give them the opportunity to be part of that process. And that would be my suggestion. Those are my five steps. Awesome. That's fantastic. Okay. So we have some actions we can go take right now today to look at ways that we can build better teams. Really? Like you said, that's what it's all coming down to. Let's build better teams because regardless of how your team was developed or where they were born in this world or what cultures they have experienced, they all have different perspectives, different ideas, different strengths they bring to the table 
And we all benefit from understanding those different perspectives. And all of you impact drivers have heard me say a million times, you've got to get in the head of your stakeholders. And that includes the people on your very own team. You got to understand they're with them, what's in it for me. And to understand that, you got to understand who they are, what they care about, what matters to them. And so no matter what team you have, and no matter how many different countries everyone is from, it doesn't matter. Everybody has their own unique opinions, experiences, and ideas. And I think that this has really opened our eyes up to ways to be thinking about how we can drive greater impact on our projects, ultimately achieve the outcomes that we're looking for by embracing everyone's unique ideas and perspectives and using those strengths to help us accelerate getting to those outcomes. So Mike, thank you so much. Thank you so much. I love that description. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you, Mike. I really appreciate you being here with us today for all of you impact. Absolutely. For all of you impact drivers, I hope you have enjoyed this session Make sure you hit subscribe and download these podcasts onto your mobile device so they can join you no matter where your high impact journey takes you. Don't forget, this episode is sponsored by my free masterclass on the game-changing steps that you have not considered, I promise, to building a high-impact PMO. So whether you're starting from scratch with a new PMO or you've got a team and you're already trying to up-level your capabilities, or you've been called in to get things back on track, let us help you get and keep your seat at the table by unlocking the secrets of a high-impact PMO your stakeholders will be begging for. Join me at pmostrategies.com forward slash PMO. That's pmostrategies.com forward slash PMO. I can't wait to see you there. Okay, Impact Drivers, thank you so much for being here for this episode. Mike, thank you again for joining us. Oh, it's been my pleasure, Laura. All right, bye-bye for now. Bye.